Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel family. It is so good to be home. Can we greet our streaming family today from inside the house? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, I'm so glad to be home. It's good to go away, but it's even better to come home. And did you know it's delicious to travel when you're not escaping from something? It's a totally different thing. And I am so grateful. First of all, I just want to thank all of you for your love and your support and your prayers. And I just want to thank Dennis for doing such a marvelous job bringing the word of the Lord to us. God bless him. And David Logeman, oh my, my, thank you, David, for, for such a beautiful word and the love of God. And, you know, when Dennis was sharing his testimony about his father and you know, God is a God who shakes paradigms and he shifts them all the time. You can live your whole first half of your life one way, and in one moment he can flip the pancake and give you a whole new paradigm and a whole new set of glasses through which you view your reality. Well, I'm home, but I, am, I, am, I, I have an appointment today for you. I have an assignment, and I just pray in the name of Jesus before giving it or even opening one of these pages that, that the Lord's presence would fall right now upon us here in this house and let the glory that is in this house right now just go forth to every one of you live where you're sitting, where you are. May the, may, the, may the very spear of the Lord's blessing spear your precious heart and relieve you and release you today into your destiny in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Oh, bless you. It's good to be home. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to have some time away. And I'll, I'll give you just a few just testimonies uh, at some point, but not now because I have got to get to a message entitled Stumbling on the Threshold. Stumbling on the Threshold. Oh, beloved. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I don't doubt any of you disbelieve in the existence of God. We must believe that he is. But I have a hankering that a few of us do not believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I mean, not really. Not you. Everybody else. Right? Sure, Hebrews 11, 6. Oh, yeah, in the Greek. Oh, yeah, I give it to you in the Greek. God exists, of course, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Yes, like you and you and you, but when it comes to Dorothy, remember Dorothy said, I don't think there's anything in that big black bag for me. Remember? And, and the scarecrow had to, like, after everybody got a gift, had to say, well, what about Dorothy? You know, it's just like, and Dorothy goes, oh, don't, don't do that. There's nothing in that big black bag for me. 
This morning, the Lord Jesus told me to talk about stumbling on the threshold. John chapter 13, verse 4 said, And Jesus rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel. And after he poured water into the basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, you wash my feet? Never. And Jesus said, What I do now, you'll understand later. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And then Peter said, wash not only my feet, but my head and my back and my swimsuit. And my Peter refused to allow the Lord Jesus to serve him. There was something that rose up in Peter that rejected the very tender touch of Jesus in his attempt to wash Peter's feet. Isn't that something? That when the Lord Jesus comes really close, I mean, he's not up there preaching, and there's a thousand people between you and him, but, but, but when he comes up real close and he girds himself and he, and he brings a little face and he and he starts taking your shoes off that your first instinct is to say never you will never wash my feet and Jesus said if you don't let me serve you you will never be considered my servant did you know beloved we serve him to the degree that we allow him to serve us and none of us are comfortable when he moves in close. You know, Jesus, stay over there. I'll hug you from a distance. Love you. Love you, Lord. Stay over there. Lord, when he's moving in close now, he's moving in close to each of us, and it's going to get really awkward and really uncomfortable. But you serve him to the degree that you allow him to serve you. It sounds impossible. Sounds like heresy. All the heresy dogs started barking. <laughs> what? This narcissistic meism. No, 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 no. You serve him to the degree that you allow him to serve you. God's not going to serve me. And then you're going to stay right where you are in that ditch and die in it. Beloved, we're standing on the brink of the greatest outpouring of God in human history. And now is not the time to stumble on the brink of destiny. Now is not the time to stumble on the brink of fruitfulness.
Mark 9, 24, and immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, Lord. But please help me overcome my unbelief. Genesis 18, 12 through 15 says, So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. <laughs> but he said, you did laugh. Yeah, you did. Unbeliever. Unbeliever! <laughs> Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And in the Craig paraphrase, I believe between hope deferred and and longing fulfilled, there's a huge big old vomit or poop. Because there needs to be, the Lord has his spear this morning, and in mercy, he's going to spear the last remaining pig of unbelief that has wrestled against you all your life, receiving your destiny. Oh, sure, God's going to bless everybody else, but not me. There's nothing that black back, back for me. That, that, that's how it's going. Everything's all right. Jesus is Lord, and I'm okay. I've got all I need. Bless his holy name. How can I help you? And we're, always, we're always ready in our full leprous condition to try to serve everybody else, aren't we? With arms falling off and eyes dropping out. And, Here, how can I serve you? It's like maybe lay down and get some kind of healing. No, it's all right. I have one finger left. Let, let me somehow serve. Beloved, you can't give what you don't have. You can say you have mumps, but if you have measles, you communicate measles. You communicate what you are. And right now, the Lord is moving close to us, and he's starting to remove our shoes, and it's getting uncomfortable. What are you? First of all, that's awkward. What are you getting so close? You know, you know how you get. Someone's too close in your space and they want to hug you a little bit too long. You know what I'm saying. We're from L.A., right? Everybody in the East Coast hugs everybody. We, we hug people and think, what do they want? And you check for your wallet. You know what I mean? That's how we are with the Lord Jesus. After that last meal, he was going to humble himself and wash the feet of his disciples, the epitome of service at the most intimate level conceivable, and Peter wouldn't have it. Mr. Spiritual Know-It-All, Mr. Big Mouth, Mr. Though All Betray You, Yet I Will Never Leave You, cannot allow the awkwardness of the moment of Jesus serving him. But you know what? Jesus makes it really clear. You're going to have to get used to me 
serving you at an intimate level. And you're going to have to learn to receive it. And you're going to have to learn to receive it, or I will not use you anymore. I will, you won't even belong to my kingdom if you don't let me come in close. Now, isn't this an awkward message? You had a party without a drink. You don't quite know how to stand. Just give him a drink, for God's sake. How's it going? Put that. So this message is designed to make you go like this. Where's he going? Well, what do you see where I'm going? Jesus himself told me to talk about this. I tell you, I take no responsibility for this message. The Holy Spirit has to confirm it with signs following. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized. But before that, <laughs> Michael did a, a, something in his diaper yesterday we have not been able to name. We're looking in Latin. We've gone through a Roman Catholic ceremonial exorcism guide to figure out what on earth. Brooke and I together with a, a cadre of wipes could not understand the seventh seal was broken. A trumpet went off. Everybody. David Jeremiah called. <coughs> the end times are close. But all I can say is whatever happened in that diaper is what I wish for you spiritually. I want you to be relieved. I'm serious. I want you to be relieved. When you get sick, I was in Egypt, and we, we got something I can't even talk about, but my God, do you know when you have to go to the bathroom until you can't go anymore, and finally all the poison's out, and you just go, thank you, Jesus, and you're dehydrated, and you're, we all need, we all need a release and a relief as we're moving from hope deferred makes the heart sick into desire realized is a tree of life, because beloved, God sees that there's unbelief in the best of us. In the choicest of God's servants, there is a cynical, skeptical strain, deeply embedded river of unbelief that will not believe that he's the rewarder of Craig, who diligently seeks him. Mark, yeah, sure. Mike, uh-huh. Not me. Not me. Not really. In fact, and the, the older the petitions are that you've been praying, the older the promises are that you've been hoping for, <laughs> there's even a deeper strain of unbelief under it all. Oh, it's, it's not, you're not doubting God. You're doubting you. You're doubting your interpretation of everything you've ever thought. You know, well, yeah, God's fine, but... I may have misread everything, you know. I remember being a kid and someone said, what if you're a brain in a beaker being stimulated to have these experiences right now? <laughs> what? What if we were created five minutes ago with the appearance of age? Oh, no. <laughs> what if we're in the matrix in a chair? Oh. <laughs> How can you refute what ifs? What ifery it's called. Well, what if? <laughs> We're an alternate bit of consciousness. 
you know, yeah, yeah, what if, what ifery. There's no end to what ifery. You know? Well, what if I misread everything? Logically possible, except for squeezing toothpaste back into a toothpaste tube. Everything is. What if there's a multiverse and in the 50th billionth one that you weren't? And okay, 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 okay. Now, this is the stuff the devil's going to hit you with at three in the morning when you have to get up and go to the bathroom. I'm just trying to pee. <laughs> <laughs> and you get, what if you're a brain in a beaker? Okay. What am I talking about? Well, beloved, <laughs> you have an enemy, and he's really wily. And if you've noticed lately, he's been working overtime on you with your what if. Oh, I had a horrible dream uh, two nights ago. In the dream, I'm in Europe, and I don't remember who I am and where my flight is and where I'm going, and I don't have my passport. Oh, my God. And I'm sitting, and the, all the telephone cords around this desk are wrapped around my legs. So I, I, I'm going, why are these cords around my legs? Where's my passport? When is my plane? And then someone goes, your plane leaves at 1. I said, what? 1. What time? Did, where am I going? It was horrible. It was like an Alzheimer's moment. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't know where I was, and I was in Europe, and I didn't have my passport, and I woke up. I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. I kissed the bed. You do what you do, I do what I do. Aren't you glad when you wake up from a horrible, funky dream that you're, you're oh, I was dreaming, I was dreaming. Well, beloved, the enemy works overtime, doesn't he, in our nightmares? <sighs> Using any means he has to enforce a, an unbelief in relation to you being able to receive something good for you. For you. Not everybody else, not anybody else but he's the rewarder of you who diligently seek him. And when Jesus comes in intimately close to Peter to try to bless him, Peter, what was that that rose up in him? Do you see that? It's the same thing when I hugged some of you today, you know? I'm a hugger. I'm sorry. It's my love language. Sorry. I will hug and I will hold on until I get everything I got out of that hug, whether you're comfortable with it or not. That's what the Lord's doing with us in his own way, right? Isn't it true? He's coming close, and he doesn't back down. You know, when we sort of signal that the hug's over, Jesus goes, oh, no. And he moves closer. <laughs> and it's like, it's good. We're good. Did you enjoy the meal? Okay. Okay. He's naked. He just put on a towel. What's he doing over here? Oh, God. What's he do? He's got a pail full of water. What's he doing? Okay, Lord, how's it going? Can I serve you in any way? Yeah. You can sit down and shut up and let me come in close and let me serve you, and let me wash your feet, and let me bring fulfillment to your destiny. And it's uncomfortable. I'm going to spear that whatever it is that rose up in Peter that says, no, get away. That's all right. We're good. We're good. Did you know unbelief is found in the choicest of God's servants? Take heart. Take heart. Oh, you just think it's awkward now. Hold on. <laughs> He's coming in close. You're in my space, Lord. Yeah, I know. I'm getting closer to him. <laughs> He's the only one that has the right to get in your space when you do your little signals that you're uncomfortable. Let me read you a story. 
your story. Luke 1 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the same incense time. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, and Zacharias said, whereby shall I know this? Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Who the hell do you think you are? I am old. My wife is well stricken in years and her womb is dead. Yeah, right. Did you know the Bible just called them faithful servants? They had been faithful, though fruitless. Hmm? Remember our teaching on faithfulness? and fruitlessness. You can be faithful and not fruitful your whole life. And they were moral and they were upright and they were good boy and good girl and everything. But who'd have thunk it? Deep down in this good man's heart, deep down was a stream of cynicism and rank volitional unbelief. Now, the internet atheists, they're volitional doubters, of course. I mean, nothing will count as evidence, right? Well, what if that car levitated for 30 minutes in midair? Well, E.T. will come one day and explain how that happened. That's just an anomaly. Look at all we didn't know 100 years ago. See, there's nothing, there's nothing that counts as evidence against atheism. Do you, do you understand? They put the burden of proof on you to prove something. And yet, whatever you would adduces evidence is never acceptable and they're going to reject no matter what it is. What if all the stars formed good morning, Johnny, happy birthday? Well, there's in the multiverse, see, there's billions of multiverses and one of them would have the stars would say, hello, Johnny. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Right? Remember we found out in doubt there's three kinds of doubt. There's factual doubt, right? You just don't have an answer and you're, then you... Gee, where'd Cain get his wife? Gee, I don't know. Jeez, has anyone ever read the Bible before? No. And then someone goes, oh, they go to Hugh Ross's site, reasons.org, and they give you an answer. And you go, oh, 
uh, factual doubt. You got your fact. You're fine. But if you have factual doubt and you don't get the fact, it's going to dip down to stage two, which is called emotional doubt. That's existential doubt. That's the beginning of a problem. Hmm? But then third, you get to volitional doubt. That's where somebody says, don't confuse me with the facts I've already made up my mind. Now, let's have a conversation about whether God exists or not. How far do you think you're going to get with a volitional doubter? How about the Son of God himself got nowhere? So are you going to dig in that well? Jesus, our Lord, said, they have Moses and the prophets. If they will not hear them, they would not believe if one were to rise from the dead in front of them. Oh, come on. If someone saw Jesus rise from the dead, they'd believe. No, no. Volitional doubters will not. It's not they can't. They won't. You know there's a big difference between can't and won't? My son can't walk because he's handicapped. I'm not talking about someone who can walk but won't walk. That's a whole different thing. But you'd expect volitional unbelief in unbelievers, correct? That's where it belongs. Amen. All right? But there is volitional unbelief in us. Oh, he's getting close with his foot washing equipment. Oh, I'm getting uncomfortable. He just washed James's feet, and I'm sitting next to James. Oh, that's a feeling. Oh, God, he's coming over here. Maybe he'll skip me. No, he won't. Just get your shoes off because he's not going anywhere. <laughs> You'll never wash my feet. Then you have no place in me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the lanes are narrow and it's starting to pinch. Zachariah said to the angel, yeah, how am I going to know this is going to happen? Now Mary said, how can these things be? Right? Mary had no precedent for her impossibility. You couldn't point to a list of God-bearing virgins, like it's 12-step group. I am at the, uh, the God-bearing conference here. Where do I sit? There's nobody there. A virgin had never conceived. But there were plenty of precedents for Zacharias and Elizabeth's impossibility. Abraham, Sarah, remember Sarah? Not only was Sarah barren, but it says she was ancient. So Liz shares that with Sarah. She's not only barren in general, but she is an old woman in her 80s. All right. <laughs> that is a fruitless zone. Huh? If you're in Vegas, how much are you going to bet on that? Okay, now the odds <laughs> of this chick having a baby in a year? I'll put a billion to one. No, you're not going to bet on this. It's not that Zacharias can't, he won't. Now, I want you to see, the devil usually wants to tempt you to immorality, right? Or tempt you to pride, right? No, he wants to tempt you to unbelief. That's uglier than all of it. That's pornography to God. That's spiritual pornography is unbelief. 
I'm not talking about, you know, having little struggles or moments. I'm talking about the enemy's intent is to take advantage of and exacerbate and poke at the underlying stream we have in us as individuals of unbelief. Uh, Craig, you're missing me. I'm not getting it. What's the point of the message? <laughs> Did you know stumbling on the threshold of destiny isn't a terrifying thing? Do you know Zechariah was fine when God was silent? He was fine. No problem. Faithful but not fruitful, but that's okay because we are upright and we're living right, and we're old, and we've known Jesus forever. God bless you. Bless everybody that you see. He was fine when God was silent. Zacharias was fine when there was no hope that his prayer would ever be answered. Zachariah was just peachy when God delayed, when God denied. He was comfortable when his prayers were unanswered. He was on, I'm sorry, he was comfortable when his prayers were, he was comfortable when everything stayed the same. He was great under trial. He was fantastic when nothing changed. But, and is this a big but? The big but. This is the biggest but you've ever seen in the Bible. The moment fulfillment was declared a vain of cynicism and unbelief was manifest. Where? In the temple. In the holiest place. You say, oh, Craig, come on. Zechariah's just having a problem. He's seeing an angel. He's messed himself. He's a little upset. I mean, just don't, don't be so deep. Don't be so serious about, oh, this is serious. Did you know God wants to spare us stumbling at the threshold? God is so loving to us that he's coming early to spear in us that last remaining demon of unbelief that's been resident there forever. And it's to do with the area, it's, it's the unbelief around the area of your heart where you personally receive something uniquely for you. Where you believe he is the rewarder of Mike who diligently seeks him. When evidence itself has been speaking contrary to that, when reality itself seems to be set against the fact that you, Dorothy, will ever get anything in that black bag, that's where the end, right on the threshold of fruitfulness. Now look at the convergence, right? There's stars in the sky. There's wise men. <laughs> there, right? Zacharias, for the first time, only time in his life, is given the privilege to go into the inner sanction of the holy place of the temple. The only, did you know that this, there's no evidence he ever went in there before, as old as he was? He, no, there's no, there's no evidence of it. Hello, you two, welcome. You say, well, Craig, certainly Zachariah had been inside the temple before. No, he'd been outside. Did you know he was a theologian? He was a priest. He knew the Bible backwards and forward. He studied the Bible his whole life. He knew the, the temple. 
He knew the inner, he knew every stitch of the temple. He knew what was in there. He knew that the table of the showbread, when you went in, was on your right with the 12 loaves. He knew on the left was a candelabra, 80 pounds of solid gold, beaten gold. He knew there was a altar of incense right in front of the, the veil just before where the ark used to be. He knew everything. But did you know you can know everything about God and you can know everything and have heard it firsthand from everybody else and never been in there yourself? No, I'm not being mean, but I heard of a young man who got his Ph.D. in Egyptology, and he's never been to Egypt. I'm not judging. I mean, I've never been to the moon, you know. But, you know, you'd think an Egyptologist, right, who knows everything about the Temple of Luxor, okay? I've been in the Temple of Luxor. I've thrown up in the Temple of Luxor multiple times on the tour I was leading. But the point is, you know, there are some, <laughs> there are some Christians who know everything about God and have heard firsthand of the stuff they don't know about it. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I, I heard. Did you know this man, Zechariah, knew everything about Daniel? And did you know that he's been... The angel Gabriel who has last appeared on earth 600 years ago, talking to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 about the fact that Daniel's prayers are answered and that the Messiah was going to be on his way. He has not appeared to a human being in 600 years, and he shows up near the incense altar by Zechariah, the old man. Fear not. Do you know every time an angel appears? They're not cherubs flying around that you bat around with a salt gun. <laughs> Got it. These are magnificent beings that stand in the presence of God, and everyone that sees them fall down as dead people, right? I see angels every day on the end of my bed. Yeah, yeah, sure you do. Saw him on TBN. Yeah, sure you do. Yeah. Ask my third wife. She'll, she'll verify everything. Yeah. All right, that was mean. <laughs> and that was the moment the dove left. Now the dove is back. Okay. <clears throat> PhD in Egyptology, never late, never walked in Egypt. Don't even know. Where. Okay. Zachariah knew everything, but he had never personally stood where he is standing right now. He and his attendants walked up the ramp of the burnt offering on this holy day. Of the 24 courses, there are 20,000 priests in the city that serve twice a week, two weeks in one year. And, and, and there are so many priests that they have to cast lots to figure out. And once in a lifetime, a priest had one opportunity to go in to the holy place on the inside. We look at pictures on the internet. It's no big deal to you. But this man had never been there. He'd heard about it. He'd studied about it. He taught about it. But this day, in his old years, they picked the lot in Vegas. And he is allowed the privilege. So he and his Attendants, they go up the ramp to the burnt offering and they take cinder, they take some coals and they go in and they walk in and for the first time Zachariah in his life walks through that veil 
and he walks into the holy place and the other attendants, one goes before him and he goes in and he takes all of the coals, the old coals and embers off and he takes and he removes them and the other guy comes and he puts the coals they just received from the burnt offering in and they withdraw and Zechariah is alone for the first time in the holiest place on earth. First and only time he'll ever be there. That's a memory moment. Get your selfie. And all he's supposed to do is put the incense, a scoop, prostrate himself, prostrate himself all the way on the floor and get out. And he's standing in there and he's, he's putting the in, he goes to put the incense and he looks over to his left and there's Gabriel hasn't appeared to a man in 600 years. Okay, all right. That'll get my tremor in my left hand going. And he says, fear not. And then he goes into this convergence cavalcade. The last thing God said in Malachi was, I'm going to send Elijah before the great and powerful day of the Lord to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children, hearts of the children of the fathers, lest I come smite the earth with a curse. Last thing God said before he went silent was through Malachi, or Malichi, as I used to say. And please read the book, because you're going to get to heaven, and he's going to come up and go, did you read my book? And you go, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Chapter 3 just blew my mind. You know. Please read the Bible just for that. Because there's always Haggai who's going to go, did you, did you read? Yes, yes, I read your book. That really blew my mind. Malachi, yeah. you. Mm. It's good to be back. I'm still a little jet-lagged. I hope you know. Well, it spices it up, doesn't it, right? As long as he doesn't teach Jehovah's Witness doctrine, we're fine. First and only time he's ever been there. Boy, there's something for, there's something for felt firsthand experience, I'm telling you. You've heard about God all your life. You've heard about his presence all your life. You have a Ph.D. in awakening studies at Bimson Awakening Seminary but you've never felt the presence of God in your life. Something to be said for theory. And then firsthand, oh, Thomas Aquinas, the most brilliant finite mind that ever walked the earth next to Aristotle, went into a service and felt the presence of God for about 90 seconds once in his life. And he said, all I've written is straw. All I've written is straw. Straw? 90 books from the most brilliant, finite mind that ever lived? There's something about one moment in the presence of God that'll hair lip everything else. You know what I mean? Even the Bible is an effect of which God is the cause. There's still no substitute for you having a double dose of the Holy Ghost from coast to coast, personal. Right? Both and, both and, not either or. Well, there's Zechariah. Where else could you be in the earth, right? For a convergence to happen that's going to make you jump up and down. And he's just been told that he and his old lady, and I mean, she is, her womb is dead and she's old and past childbearing years. Isn't God wonderful how he makes it impossible for you to believe for you? 
<laughs> well, I still believe. Oh, oops. Whoop. Oops. He'll make it worse. No, really. Remember Lazarus? I mean, he, he stinketh. Jesus said, take me to the place where you laid him. And, and Mary goes, he stinketh. Putrefaction is kicked in. And Jesus said, take me to the place. I don't care what it smells like to you. I'm still not finished with this thing. Right? And the ladies believed. They said, yeah, we know he'll rise someday at the end of the earth. Jesus said, uh, remember Lurch? Uh, do you remember him? Anyone out there? Please just, if you've never given to the ministry, just give me a thumbs up that you remember Lurch. Remember Ted Cassidy? Uh, right? He's just been told by Gabriel that his son, he, he picks up quoting where the Old Testament left off when God went silent. He's been silent for 400 years and hasn't said a word to anybody. Anybody. And he breaks the silence talking to this old man. And the word is what? Not just I'm going to bless everybody generally, but I'm going to bless you personally. You're going, that long prayer you've been praying and believing for all of your life, let me ask you a question. What's the petition you put before the Lord ages ago? What's the thing that you've been praying for since you were six years old? And you're 80. Faithful but not fruitful. Let's do a picture. Come on, all you faithful, that fruitfulness. But, 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 isn't it something that we're fine when everything's wrong, when God delays, when there's no answer to prayer, when the burden gets heavier, we're fine. As soon as God says, now, this torrent of cynicism and unbelief rises up from our belly. That's like seeing your mama manifest a demon. Demons are ugly. Remember... <laughs> Remember Lord of the Rings? Remember he hadn't seen the ring in a hundred years? And he says, can I just see the ring? And they pull the ring out and he goes, <laughs> it's like a demon comes out. That freaked me out the first time I saw that in the movie theater. Right? That's what's in us. All of us wonderful, fruitless people, but we're faithful to Jesus. There's a, there's a, there's a demon and there's some in there that is guarding the ability for us to really believe something ever is going to happen for us, really, really. Just go ahead and touch it. It'll come out. There's no demon in Grandma. Yeah, there's ten. <laughs> Little Grandma. Ever notice in the horror movies when they want to freak you out, they have the Grandma in the nighty walking around. It's like, oh, Grandma, no, man, no. <laughs> the demons aren't going to bother Grandma in her nightdress, are they? Yeah, yeah. As holy as you think you are. Here's Zachariah, Mr. Perfect. And he was a godly man. He's a good man. Do you understand? But the Lord loved him enough to surface this unbelief that was going to cause him to stumble on the very threshold of destiny itself. And you know what the, <laughs> Gabriel says? Gabriel announces it. Good news. And Zachariah goes, yeah, prove it. Prove it? Prove what? 
I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. He starts announcing who he is. I haven't appeared in 600 years since Daniel, and I'm announcing what I finished saying to him. And and Zachariah's like going, yeah, whatever. Now, see, you expect that with the internet infidels. You know what I mean? It's like no matter what you give as evidence, they bat it off. You know, they bat it off. And I can tell you just now, don't waste your time with a volitional doubter because don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind, but you're going to go online and start the argument. Nothing you ever say will I listen to now. Let's argue for nine hours. Don't be an idiot. That's volitional unbelief. Jesus said, if I rose from the dead and tap danced and did all of chorus line for them, showing the nail prints, they won't believe. Well, but if you did phantom. No, they won't believe Christ doing phantom after rising from the dead. Okay. In the woods? No. Volitional unbelief will not concede. Now, you don't know that's in Zechariah, do you? Until fulfillment is announced, it's here. Now. Now, God breaks his silence, and the silence of Zechariah begins. Do you know what God does? He, he takes away his ability to talk, because that's the best way to save a preacher from himself. Because he comes out of the temple to give the blessing and he won't stop trying to talk. When he comes out, they're expecting to receive the ironic blessing from him. When he, He's supposed to be in there for incense, whoosh, lay down, come out. He's stuck in there now and they're worried that he's died. Because if you're unholy, you could be struck dead in the temple and then you're kept fresh in the presence of God until they come in and drag you out. And that'll be on the TV. Look at no decomposition. He was in the holy place <laughs> 35 days. And then you start the circus and you make a lot of money for the Lord on which you won't tithe. But the point is, <laughs> you swear to God, if I get money, I'll tithe. And you find out tithing is Old Testament the day after. Musk gives you the fortune. Okay. Next. Yeah. Amen. I'm a New Testament man, you know. You dog. <laughs> yeah. Watch the YouTube and <laughs> This is a keeper. My kids would ever watch one of these. They don't. They don't know what. What do you do, Dad? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing, darling. Nothing. Beloved, God, out of mercy, enforces silence on Zachariah. Did you know Mary was immediately pregnant? And did you know, ladies, you know when you're pregnant. Everything. Everything changes. You don't feel right. You throw up. You want to eat anything. I don't want any pickles. I do want pickles, but I don't want anything else. Pickles, pickles and jelly. You know, it's like, what? You devil, come out in the name of Jesus. I won't feed no devil. 
Mary's going to be pregnant. Elizabeth is going to be pregnant, and they know what's going on inside. But you know what? Zacharias, man, God has to do something that will allow him to participate in this period without screwing it up anymore. So he takes away his ability to talk. Wouldn't that be a blessing sometimes for you? Dig yourself completely out of God's will with your whapper. Jabber, jabber, jabber. Never going to happen. Just digging up everything promise he's ever given. So thank God Zechariah goes dumb. He can't talk. For nine months, while they're obviously pregnant and aware something's going on, he's also able to watch and listen, but he can't dig it up with his mouth. Used to be a preacher called Dr. C.M. Ward. I did a show with him on TBN once, rode in a limousine with him. I'm a brush with greatness. He was sitting here and I'm here and I'm a Dr. Ward. Yes, good to meet you. He had a gravelly voice. One of the best preachers you'll ever see in your life. Look online, C.M. Ward. Assembly of God, man. I remember Dr. Gene Scott once said, best sermon I ever heard, Dr. C.M. Ward. Worst sermon I ever heard, Dr. C.M. Ward. Because the problem is, with the gift of gab, is that you can crown the angels with a message from heaven and talk too much and dig it up. <laughs> One of my favorite preachers said he went to a pastor's conference, sat down, and within the first 30 seconds heard what he needed to hear from God, but he said he knew if that man kept talking, he was going to dig it up. And the guy kept talking, dug it up. He said, I should have gotten right up and gotten on a plane and gone home because I already heard the word of the Lord. And the guy certainly enough dug it up on the way with us. Oh. What I love about angels, they show up, say their peace, and leave. No discussion. They don't want to hang out for coffee. So what's it like in heaven? Eh, I don't know. It's not the, you know, they just show up, deliver the message, and leave. Would to God. We could learn from that. All right. You could learn from that. Because I'm talking about the sheep I'm shepherding right now. <laughs> God strikes his unbelief down on the threshold of destiny. Oh, praise God. The Lord saved a good man who made a mistake from making an even bigger one. Thank God, beloved. Did you know that Zechariah just needed a little time to be quiet and listen, think, stew a bit, watch, and not be able to give mouth to that vein of cynicism and sarcasm down in his heart. You know, God's choice is servants. You'll find unbelief in God's choice is servants, especially grandma and church ladies. Can I pray for you, honey? Yeah, yeah, you can pray for me, church lady. But let's get down. Loved one, he stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, what a good Lord am I. That's what I'm praying for you right now and for me right now. That he, we're on the threshold of greatness. We're on the threshold of the fulfillment of every petition we've ever asked for. And I can tell you that's the moment that he's gone, this unbelief will be surfaced unless in Jesus' mercy he surfaces it right now today. Isn't that good news that we could, he could stick in his thumb and pull out a plum? All that deep, cynical unbelief, it's way deep down. You know, it's like 100 miles underground. 
and nobody else knows it's there. In fact, you're deluded into thinking it's gone sometimes. But just wait till someone gives you now a word and you'll hear it come up. And now, 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 all these good news words. I'm sick and tired of hearing about good news. Whoa, 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 excuse me. We'd like to talk to Sam, not you. So I say, I, I say, we want Rebecca back. We want to talk to Rebecca. <laughs> not her little friends. Did you know in Acts chapter 1, Christ is ascending to heaven, literally mid-ascension. And they have their prophecy charts out and their Hal Lindsey book charts. And they say, Lord, is it at this time that you will restore the kingdom dispensationally to, here's the 10 hills, uh, which is the 10 heads of the common market that doesn't exist anymore. But the, and here's all of our current charts, right? Book of the decade. And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that are in the Lord's hand. You just go to Jerusalem and do what I told you to do. Just wait and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Times and seasons. You know what the times of your life is? That's when you're sowing seed and you're just giving to others and you're just showing up and you're just doing life and it's nine to five. Chronos is the word. Chronological blah, 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 blah. I'm going to kill myself if I do this one more time. There's no purpose. I'm rolling the rock up to fall down. That's the times of your life. You know what the seasons are? The seasons are those Kairos moments when God comes through and says to Zechariah, you're going to have a baby and he's the forerunner of Christ. Boom! Zechariah could handle the times of his life where there was delay, denial, nothing happening, nothing changing, but the second God announced the season, here it is, you're waiting your whole life for this, he goes, yeah, right. The show me state. Hmm? Are you from the show me state? See, Mary asked, how can it be? She had a precedent for her impossibility. Zechariah knew the whole Bible backward and forward. Abraham, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah, Hannah. You know what I mean? You could just pitch the balls to him, and he'd knock them out of the park. He had every biblical basis for believing that his old wife's womb could produce if God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. In fact... If God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Remember that song? God said it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. Well, actually, if God said it, it doesn't matter whether you believe it. It's going to happen. But Zechariah is caught right in the middle of that dynamic where he, had, he prayed his whole life for a deep, a deep longing to have a son. He had everything except what he wanted. Beloved, I'm not rebuking you. Please don't hear me preach at you. I'm preaching at the fact that the devil is a lie, and Jesus is, he loves us so much, he's coming right now asking us to come to the altar, to open our hearts, to allow him to spear that unbelief and take it home today. You don't have to go home with it. Well, I don't even see it anymore. That's how deep it is. We see it. We'll help you. When it's gone, we'll tell you. It's gone. It's gone. No, no, it's still there. No, it's gone. That's why we need each other, see? 
Are you looking through your glasses or at your glasses? You're looking through your glasses. I'm looking at your glasses so I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. You're looking through your life. I'm looking at your life so I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. We need each other. See? I can't see the back of my neck. You can see the back of my neck. We need one another as the body of Christ. Amen? So that you can help me make sure that my unbelief gets speared right now because I do not want to stumble on the threshold of destiny. Do you? Wouldn't it be stupid to live this long and then let the bus go by 50 times? Mm, Why are you letting the bus go by? Well, it's because I can't. Because you still have a deep set. We all do. And our unbelief isn't generic. Like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. No, no. I'm talking about the unbelief around the little area of there's nothing in that big black bag for me. God will bless everybody else but not me. In fact, what I've longed for my whole life and prayed for, I've forgotten because it's never going to happen for me. And I'm good with that. Remember the prophet? Little old lady came out and built him a little cabin and said, you know, when you come by here, you just go ahead. And, and he looks at her and he goes, you know, you don't have a child. This time next year, you're going to get pregnant. She goes, don't lie to me. Man of God, don't go stirring up some hope in me that died long ago and is impossible. And he said, no, but this time next year, you're going to have a child. She did have a child. But she said, don't lie to me. Love one, I'm not here trying to give you a soapy message just to stir you up to believe for stuff so that you'll fall off a cliff and go, they really believed that, didn't they? <laughs> look at them falling. Turn it into a swan dive. It'll look fantastic. I'm not here to do that to you and be mean. Well, maybe a little bit. I have a short list in here, but it's God's business and none of yours. Mm-hmm. Jump, saith the Lord. Oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. No, God doesn't talk to me all the time. What are you doing? <laughs> Beloved, God's commandment to accomplish his purposes is not going to be hindered by human weakness, age, infertility, insignificance, poverty, or your inability to believe. He will get his will done. But I believe he wants to spare us stumbling on the threshold. Amen. Wouldn't that be a wonderful altar call today if we could allow him to come and bring his spear? This isn't to wound, but it's it's for him. He's the only one that has the expertise to catch that and spirit, and pull it out. Stick in his thumb, pull out a plum, and say, okay, let's put this in the cage where it can't ever be harmful to you again, where I will start healing the part of you, because you know what? You know when you've been through surgery, and there's pus and mold and nutty, grossy stuff and stuff, you need to recover, and the bile needs to come out, and you need to recover after surgery. I know a dear man has had COVID 79 days in the hospital, 79 days. Well, you need some recovery when you get out of that. And then you need some recovery after that. And then you need to be home and just, I don't even know what you need after that. But I believe the Lord wants to do a surgery this morning. And it's going to be to catch in his magical little container the unbelief that has been living and owning that territory around the petition you've been pursuing the Lord for your whole life that, 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 that Zachariah just couldn't believe anymore. 
And you know what? He had good evidence circumstantially. Her womb is dead in general, and she's 85 next to that. So what sign were you going to show me? A card trick. What will it be? Solve the Rubik's Cube in what? Isn't unbelief funny? It asks for signs it's not going to heed anyway, like the atheists. No matter what you say, they're going to bat it away. Well, Jesus was a Martian so cleverly disguised in a Jesus suit that no one could recognize him. Hmm. There's always, right, a response. Not an answer, but a response. Look online. You'll find them for everything. Two plus two is four, except in rare... Do you know we're living in a time where common sense is being challenged to the nth degree? I mean, just basic stuff. Like, I exist. Aristotle used to start with, do you exist? And if you said no, he knew you had to exist in order to deny your existence. <laughs> then there developed a group called the mutists who wouldn't respond. So he figured, well, if you're a mutist and you don't want to respond, I guess I'll go talk to somebody else. To deny your existence is proof that you exist. Well, no, I, I don't think so. I, heard, I, read, I read a book. Okay, let's have lunch. Let's have lunch. You know what I mean? Jesus said, there are people who will not believe if I return. Remember C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, The Great Divorce? He's got people arguing with the angels, arguing that they're not dead. <laughs> you know, I'm not dead. He's like, you, you, you deal with people. Are, are, aren't you in the people business at all? You've been around Starbucks. You deal with everybody. You know? I didn't order coffee. I ordered uh, buttermilk. You know, we don't have buttermilk. Well, you did yesterday. You know, do you, do you see what crazy, 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 cray, cray? But did you know, loved one, that on the brink of fulfillment, that's what we're getting. That's where any unbelief that isn't speared Today, will raise its head, even in a Zechariah. And isn't it great that God just closed his mouth off? Praise God. Because that silence, it's funny, God broke his silence and it began, silence began for Zechariah. Because he needed nine months, he was pregnant with a whole new hope and promise about a baby, along with his wife Elizabeth and along with Mary the Virgin. Oh, what a group! You take that group on a cruise ship. Wow, and here's Elizabeth, you know, <laughs> and Mary. Yeah, and Zachariah can't say a word, but he could probably juggle. <laughs> Love one, he's about to take you inside the temple where you've never been. He's about to take you some places you've never been. You've heard about it all your life. You've longed about it. You've fantasized about it. You've studied about it. You have a doctorate in it, but he's going to let you walk and stand there. And when that happens, stuff is going to happen that is marvelous. But that's not the time to find 
that you have a 700-pound devil in your belly of unbelief. My mentor, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery, someone asked him once, can a Christian have a devil? And Dr. Montgomery said, a Christian can have anything he wants. Peter had it. It was that awkwardness when Jesus approached him, you know, to wash his feet. Just got too intimate. It's like, yeah, wash their feet. Skip me. I'm passing. I'll pass. Have you been saying that to the Lord? It's okay. I'll pass. They're all getting inner healing, throwing up in bags, but I'm good. I'm going to sit here in a chair with dignity. I don't want to have dignity at this age. If I have to throw something up, I'll throw it up in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. And I know you won't be embarrassed if your pastor rolls around on the floor and gets some deliverance or squeaks or squeals or barks like a dog. I don't know about you. If it's in, get it. I want it all out. Amen. If there's anything self-sabotaging me in my ability to cross into the threshold of my destiny, I want it out. And I'm too old to be embarrassed about anything. Lay hands on my head. Put oil on me. Anything. Good news. Zechariah got healed. God's spirit is unbelief right in the holy place. What a place to spear a fish. And it says he finished his week's service and he went home to be with mama. And mama was found with child. And did you know Elizabeth was so freaked out by being pregnant at 85 that she hid herself in silence along with her husband? (laughs) There goes the neighborhood. What what are they going to say now? They've been misjudging them for years because they were faithful without being fruitful. So what are they going to say now when at 85 she goes to the market with her pea in a pot new outfit, right? Remember, they didn't have pregnancy clothes when I was having babies. We just threw grandma's nightshirt over everything, covers everything, touches nothing. Now they have designer, you know, highlighting the bump, right? Can you, do you know why I think Elizabeth hid? Because I think she was so terrified about a stillborn and this isn't going to happen. I'm going to lose the baby and I'm going to throw this thing. Did you know sometimes folk that have been at the mercy of miscarriage will not even draw attention to their own acknowledgement that they're pregnant for fear of the loss? I get that. Her, I have mercy on. Him, I'm a little harder on because he knew everything. To whom much is given, much is require. Dennis told me if you've been a police officer and you get a DUI, you get the full penalty because you knew better. The more you know, he's a priest. He's a scholar. He knows the Bible. He knows the temple. He knows the whole history. He could read Malachi in the original. He knew Daniel. He knew who Gabriel was. There's two angels mentioned in the Bible, and if you read the Roman Catholic Apocrypha, you'll get about six other more names, but there's only two. Michael and Gabriel. See, see, he knew all this. He put some context on it, right? This isn't like some poor little guy that was told something crazy. You know, I'm going to make a square circle for you. It's like, oh, no, I'm afraid. No, no. He knew all the precedents for his impossibility, and he just willfully wouldn't believe. Can we renounce that in the name of Jesus? Father, right now, I just uh, start with myself. I don't know about anybody else listening. Lord, forgive me of my unbelief, God. If there's even a... 
a torrent of a cynical, sarcastic stream in me about my life, about my destiny, about my calling, about anything in me, Jesus. I ask that you would expose it, Lord. I ask as a fisherman that you would spear it, Lord, without mercy, and that you would rip it out of me, God. If there's anything that has been colonizing around my long-term promises that have never happened, Father, I renounce these things in Jesus' name. I renounce every filthy stretch of unbelief, whatever it is, a human hair strand of it, or a rope of it, God. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me with your blood and pull it out of Craig Johnson, Lord. And I renounce in Jesus' name the inability to believe. I do believe in God, but do I believe he is the rewarder of Craig who diligently seeks him? Probably not, Lord. Help thou. Mine unbelief, God, I believe, help thou. Mine unbelief for myself, Lord, help me believe something for me. And Father God, I pray for my precious brethren, Lord, that are listening and watching in this room right now, Lord, that you would come to them, Lord. That you would bring your spear of destiny, Lord, and you would spear the unbelief where it is, Lord. As deep as it is, surface it now in Jesus' name, Lord. It's logical. It seems like it's all been a good idea. It all seems resonant and reasonable. But it's uh, just cynical, cynical, cynical inability to believe something good's going to happen for you and you. And all your experiences that seem to verify your unbelief, we, we throw them at the foot of the cross because the cross is more powerful than all of your lies, devil. Father, every unclean thing in the name of Jesus that would oppress these women and men listening, these children listening to the sound of my voice, Lord, spear them and deliver them, relieve them, release them. If we need to throw it up, if we need to sneeze it out, if we need to holler and scream it out in the car, if it, five hours later if it comes out, we, just, we will let you bring deliverance to us, Lord, so that we do not stumble on the threshold. Someone say amen right now. Someone give God some praise. Clap your hands. Put your hands together for you for you. Kim, I want you to go lay hands on everybody. Just just as we're just closing, I want Kim to just lay hands on every one of you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, that the anointing through your daughter just put a hammer to all of this, whatever it is, Lord. If it's in, get it out. If it's on, get it off. We don't need to understand technicality. If it's in, get it out. If it's on, get it off. Whatever that unbelief is, whatever those lies were, however deeply rooted they are, we curse the roots in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ. We curse the roots in the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter the abuse tangled around those roots. It doesn't matter the facts that seem to support your unbelief. Uh, we all of it is let let man uh, let God be true and every man be a liar in the name of Jesus right now. Father, we call your truth down in each of us, our physical body. If it's nesting in our physicality, if it's nesting in our emotionality, if it's our mentality, our spirit, wherever, if it's in. Lord, get it out. If it's on, get it off. And in Jesus' name, we renounce all soul ties uh, <clears throat> to unbelief. It's been comfortable when, that nothing's happening. It's been comfortable that we doubt. It's been comfortable that we're in denial. It's been comfortable that nothing's going on. 
But now something's going to change, and now fulfillment's going to be announced, and now we are not going to stumble on the threshold of destiny in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not, our family will not, our children will not stumble on the threshold of destiny in the name of Jesus. Someone say amen. All of our loved ones at home, God bless you. We love you. We speak life to you. We speak David is going to come and lead us in the table of the Lord, and, and we're going to, and David, just extend that table today. Just just pray and let that blood do its work. Let that bread do its work. We're going to take right now uh, the table of the Lord. You can go get your elements right now at home. Just grab a piece of bread, grab a little water, whatever you have. I want there to be a point of contact for you to say, Lord, if it's in, get it out. If it's on, get it off of me. I don't even know what my unbelief is, Lord. Help thou. Isn't that wonderful? I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Mark 9, 24. Maybe that's the verse you put on your tattoo or your fridge. Hmm? I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. And did you know what Jesus did? Take his belief and he helped his unbelief and he pulled the devil out of his boy that threw him in the water and threw him in the fire. Did you know Jesus has mercy on our unbelief? Isn't that wonderful? And did you know any sin? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And 1 John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and his blood continually cleanses from all sin. Isn't it wonderful that we bring this unbelief into the light? right? Darkness cannot flourish in the light. We bring it up. As ugly as it is, we bring it up and we hold it up to him. And you know what? Like an ice cube melts with the rising sun. Zachariah's own words, the day star has arisen. If you have a Babylon made of ice, you don't need to chip away. You just let the sun rise and it'll all melt. You don't need to do any work to get your own deliverance. Just let the sun rise. Lord, let the day's spring rise right now over every man, woman, boy, and girl. Let the sun itself be the Lord over the ice. We don't need to chip away and break our arm trying to break the ice and all the wounds that are hidden in the ice. Lord Jesus, let the day star rise right now. Let the sun rise right now, Lord. Melt away all those kingdoms made of ice, all those weapons made of ice, all the wounds locked in the ice, fresh as they were committed yesterday, those sins against us. Lord, melt all the ice around them. Bring healing. Let everything buried in the ice escape. Let everything buried in the ice that we've been hiding for years be melted in front of us, Lord. It's not going to kill us. It's not going to kill us. Thank you, Lord. You said move away the stone. You said roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to say, come forth, and we are going to come forth as Lazarus did. Lord, loose us and let us go. Even when you raise us from the dead, loose us of the grave clothes and let us go. May the Lord loose you from every grave clothes right now in Jesus' name. Say amen. Can we welcome the man of God here? Welcome, everybody. The body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is here for deliverance. Deliverance even from unbelief, as pastors pointed out. You know, when uh, a couple of weeks ago, when Easter 
was happening and Passover coincided that same time, I went back and I reread the Passover story and I noticed something I'd never noticed before. And it's in your bulletin. It's from Exodus 12, 11. And they're talking about partaking and eating the Passover lamb. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Isn't that amazing that God would ask the Israelites to do that? He wanted them to prepare for their physical deliverance. So I hope that Pastor Craig's message today helps prepare you for that. And I hope spiritually right now we can partake of his body. Let's break it. And spiritually, let's put on our belts. Let's put on our sandals. And let's have our staff in our hand expecting deliverance. Let's partake. You know what? That next day, the Bible says that they all walked out of Egypt, not one feeble and nobody sick. Bible scholars say there was about 2 million Israelis. Not one feeble, not one person sick. Partaking of the lamb is powerful. And if it happened under the old covenant, how much more powerful now under the new covenant that Jesus gave us? The Israelis had to work to put the blood on their doorposts. All we have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. His blood is shed for you. May this wash away any unbelief out of your heart. And may you receive your deliverance that Jesus so amazingly paid for on the cross. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the expert surgeon. You are the great physician. Heal us, Lord. Remove any deep-seated unbelief out of us. Pour your spirit on and replace that with your love, your kindness, your forgiveness, your redemption. And be blessed in Jesus' name. If you've joined us today and you felt fed, we just ask you today for you to feed us. That any contribution you may want to send our way, please do so that we can continue to worship together, to praise God together, to be able to have the good news of Jesus spread throughout this house of Bethel. And if you're here physically, we have a receptacle in the corner. If you want to put a contribution in there, may God bless you all. In the name of the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.